Hello, you are listening to the Bethel Atlanta Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about Bethel Atlanta, visit www.bethelatlanta.com. Woo! Ah. <laughs> uh. Awesome. How's everyone doing this morning? Staying warm enough? I'm going to stand in the sun because it's warmer here. You guys good with that? Awesome. Wow, so good to see you guys here. This is my first time here in this environment, so uh, this is going to be some good fun. Um, I've been uh, I've been chewing on a few things. I'm going to dive, in, dive right in. You guys good with that? You guys need me to do a little... Uh, like, okay, cool, because I'm not really good with that. <laughs> um, so I, I've been chewing on a couple things, and um, I, I think something that's been just fascinating me lately is uh, this concept of how the kingdom works. Uh, there's, there's, you know, everyone knows there's spiritual laws. There's physical laws, right? You guys understand, you know, physics, there's things that, you know, you, that can't be broken. It just is what it is, and it's the way it works type of concept. And, um, and even his invisible attributes are made known to us through creation, aren't they? And so in the same manner that that is the case, it is like that in the spirit as well. And so in the kingdom, I've just been fascinated in chewing on these things that are, are, are almost laws, if you will, or just this is the way it works. And, um, and so I'm just going to kind of chew through one of those this morning that um, I wasn't quite like ready to, I'm still chewing on this stuff. So I wasn't like, okay, this is, uh, you know, I'm ready to preach on this, so to speak. But I've been uh, doing this elective in the school as well at Bassam. And just feel this wind, uh, talking about the transformed mind and just feeling this wind on this in this moment. And, uh, and I feel like it's a timely word. So I don't, we'll, uh, we're just going to kind of dig through this together and, and see where we go and, and see, what, uh, see what happens. Does that sound fun? Cool. You guys good with that? Awesome. Um, so w- what, I, what, I, uh, what I'm realizing is that... Um, uh, I, I've been teaching this thing on transformed mind and it's the kind of the statement I had in my head is the war on our beliefs and kind of realizing like just how important uh, what we believe uh, is. And, and the more I started kind of digging and unpacking, unpacking that, um, it's this kind of fundamental, the way the kingdom works, if you will, is through trust. Did you know that? Like trust is a... a is a core element in, in accessing, experiencing the kingdom, living the kingdom, uh, walking in the kingdom. Um, without it, it, we actually don't do it. Like we can't do it. I'm gonna, I'm gonna kind of explain that what this looks like in further, but um, because you, you, how many of you know you have to believe Right? So we go, okay, we're going back, Dan. This is like 101. It, it totally is 101. How many know we have to believe? And I, when, uh, one day I was uh, getting kind of confronted from the Lord about a, uh, a belief I had, and I realized, oh, I believe that. And, but I had this thought. I thought, but I don't think that. Yeah, you guys hear me there? Did you guys hear me? I know these guys did. Did you guys hear me over there? Like, 
I, the Lord re- revealed to me that I believed something, but in my head I'm thinking, but I don't think that. I, and that's when I realized, like, we think things we don't believe. And we believe things that we don't think. Well, what do, you, what do you mean by that? I mean, your beliefs, our beliefs, our core beliefs are established typically through experience, um, typically through life, through your history, uh, with people, with, with, uh, even with the Lord or whatever. But it's your core beliefs are more of a subconscious level than they are a forefronting cognitive level. And I think what we do, are we, you guys good? We're, <laughs> we're in. <laughs> What we do is we start thinking new thoughts because that's what we're doing here, right? We need to renew our mind. And so we start thinking new thoughts, but what happens is we don't actually believe those new thoughts. But we think we believe them because we think them. (laughs) I was like, okay. All right, let's read a couple verses. 2 Corinthians 10, 10, 10.3. For though I walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. Now, now understanding that when Paul talks about the flesh, you know, I, I think we've got a little bit of a convoluted uh, perspective on the flesh. We think immediately kind of our old man, this, this body, it's, it's evil, it needs to be beaten down and plummeted. plummeted but uh, that word actually translated the natural. So, Though we walk in the natural, are you a natural being? How many of you are natural? (laughs) Hopefully. But how many of you are also spiritual? So now we start understanding how Paul talks about why why he even mentions the natural is because, no, there's actually a spiritual aspect to life, yeah? So though we walk in the natural, we don't war according to the natural. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, they're not of the natural, but they're divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. We are destroying speculations and every lofty thing that raises itself up against the knowledge of God. And we're taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. So he starts kind of unpacking. And I know this isn't new information, but I feel like it's timely. He, he starts unpacking what, uh, uh, where the war is. Like the war isn't with people. The war isn't out here in the natural realm. The war isn't even in the spiritual realm, you know, trying to battle the enemy. He's saying, we don't war there. We war against speculations and ideas and every lofty thing, strongholds and mindsets that come up against the knowledge of God. And where does that happen? Right here. It happens in our head. So the war that we're in is actually over what we will believe as we begin to unpack more, the, what, what you believe will become your reality. And that he gives you a key, right? He says, therefore, we're taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. So not only is, is the war there, he's saying, hey, here's how. Therefore, if, if the war is here, then we need to kind of catch all our uh, uh, ideas, ideologies, uh, any thoughts, any beliefs that we have bouncing around in our head, uh, we have to take them captive to the obedience of Christ, who is the cornerstone, isn't he? He's the standard, he's the measuring stick. You know, so you'll hear, hear Bill Johnson say, I can't afford to have a thought in my head that he doesn't have for me. 
again, I know, I, I, I know this is a little bit, okay, it's not necessarily new, but I believe it's timely because what I'm realizing is I don't think we really believe what we think we do. I think if we really believed what we thought we did, we'd probably experience life a whole lot different. So let's talk, <clears throat> let's talk some more. Let's go to James. You can go to James if you, if you got your Bibles with you. So you've heard this, this before, James 2.14. So what use is it then, brethren, if someone, has, someone says he has faith but has no works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is without clothing and in need of daily food, and one of you says, go in peace and be warm to be filled, and yet you do not give them the necessary, what's necessary for their body, what use is it? Even so, faith, if it has no works, is dead being by itself. But someone may well say, you have faith and I have works. Show me, but I say, show me your faith without your works, and I'll show you my faith by my works. For you believe that God is one, you do well. The demons also believe and tremble. But are you willing to recognize that faith without works is useless? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up Isaac, his son, on the altar? You see that the faith was working with his works, and as a result of the works, faith was perfected. And the scripture was fulfilled, saying, Abraham, believe God. I didn't knew those anyway. God, and it was reckoned to him as righteousness. And he was called the friend of God. You see that a man is justified by works and not faith alone. In the same way, thanks, Ken. In the same way, not, was it not Rahab the harlot also justified by works when the harlot, I'm sorry, when she received the messengers and sent them out another way? For just as the body without the spirit is dead, so also faith without works is dead. So, you know, you read these, these passages and, and, you know, we start getting a little like, uh, squirmish. It's like, wait a minute. You know, I thought we kind of got away from that. Because isn't that where we used to live, where you got to make sure you're being doers of the word and not hearers only. You got to make sure you're doing the right thing and saying the right thing and make, putting on the right look because you don't want what's, you know, what you're doing to be confused as evil. How many of you remember that? Any, anybody else? You, you remember that? Like we, and so, so we've kind of swung away from that, but I feel like uh, we can't swing so far away that we actually miss the whole point, which is if, if, you, don't, if you don't believe, like you... If you don't believe, like, you won't actually experience. It's not in the experience, it's in the faith, which is what James is saying right there. It's actually, show me your faith without your works, I'll show you my faith by my works, because it's actually your works that are the manifestation of what you believe. That without the works, there is, there is no belief, there is no faith. So let's clarify one other thing. I should probably do, I have like a couple caveats. I should have probably started with that, but uh, let's clarify one thing. Uh, when we say works, uh, we're not talking about striving. And I'll explain why in a, in a moment, but we're not talking about striving, which is what we probably all remember. Trying to do something, trying to do the right thing, trying to, you know, you know I'm not gonna get into that, but you all remember, right? We're, we're not talking about the striving aspect of works, but works doesn't get removed off the table because of our perspective of it. It's still there, and there, but they just need, it just needs to be redefined. Um, the, other, the other caveat is this, that if you, if, if you struggle with a powerless thinking, like not realizing that you actually can, 
you're in charge of what is happening in your head. Like if you don't know that, this will probably be a powerful, powerless message. Like you'll feel very powerless out of this. But so let me encourage you with this. You actually manage and allow what is happening in your head. And you have that capability. You get to decide what you're gonna think about. You're gonna get to, you get to decide what you're gonna entertain. Like you are powerful in that manner. We're not powerless to that. Like what that tape that's playing in your head, you actually get to put pause or press stop. You can even remove the tape and put a new one in it if you want. <laughs> that, that you are more than empowered to do that. So A, uh, grab that, yeah? Um, the other, uh, I had another one too for you here. Um, the other caveat is that, um, well, I can't remember it. I'll have to, I'll have to give you, let's see, maybe I did need those. No, that's all right, I'll come back. So, so understand that, okay? So grab that, you, you actually get to be in charge of what's happening in your head. So that's, that's your, yeah, your choice. Um, so when we start talking about faith and works, um, we got to understand that what you say isn't what necessarily what you believe. You really can tell the evidence of what people believe by what they do. Faith without works is dead. That means if there's faith, <laughs> it's going to show up in your works. It's going to show up as a manifestation in your life. You know, there's, we've had, probably have heard different, uh, uh, you know, sayings that kind of help with this. You believe, what you believe you empower um, is, is one of those. Uh, what you believe you'll reproduce. Has anybody heard these sayings? So what, what, you, what your core beliefs are will actually show up in your actual life. So it doesn't matter what you say with your words. You can always tell what people believe by how they live. And, and immediately, our, our works mind, I'm sorry, our, um, our, our, the mindset that we probably have, have had before will come alive and go, oh, I need to do, right? Oh, you can tell what you believe by what you do, what shows up in your life. Then we go, oh, okay, I need to, I need to make sure, then I need to make sure I, I look good doing what I'm doing, so I'm believing. But that doesn't happen like that. It's actually a byproduct. That's why it's called the fruit of the spirit, not the list of do's. The fruit of the spirit is a manifestation of a, as a byproduct of simply walking in the spirit. How many did the checklist? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, anybody? Nobody, just me? Come on, okay, thanks, me and Nathan, right? Love, joy, peace, and thank God self-control's at the bottom because we'll never get there. It, it, but that's what we did because we're trying to, we're trying to think we're trying to just, we're honestly just with a good heart trying to do what it is we're supposed to be doing. We're not realizing the actual essence of how that happens, which is just simply faith in the Lord, walking in the spirit, trusting in the Lord. What we, our core beliefs, we have to change our core beliefs. Yeah, it starts with our thoughts. It starts with the head, our, our head knowledge, if you will. But if it doesn't translate, transfer into our core beliefs, then we don't change our belief system. All we're doing is changing, the, changing our, our ideas, if you will. Yeah? All right. You guys tracking with me okay?
So why is it different? Um, why is it not, it works then, Dan, if we're talking about, uh, uh, you know, there, there has to be works out of our faith and, and, and why is this not striving? What, what's the difference with it being the striving thing? The difference is, is there's, um, there's principles and then there's presence. And if we try to do what, what we're called to do, if you try to believe what you're called to believe, if you, you try to you know, uh, live your life according to just merely principles and principles aren't bad, but just merely principles without the presence, we create works, law, religion, a form without power. We have to actually respond to the presence. That if you respond, there's the other caveat. The other caveat, ready? <laughs> you, you, we, you're gonna need to hear the voice of the Lord. you're gonna need to hear the voice of the Lord. Like that has to be a normal in our life. And I mean, that's what's so beautiful and I'm grateful for a prophetic culture because it wasn't until I even learned how to prophesy, which Paul says, if you get anything, get this. I feel like one of the reasons is because it wasn't until I learned how to do that that I learned how to recognize the voice of the Lord for me. And then I was able to grow in new ways. Like that has to be a normal and not a mystical, well, I think this is what he's saying. I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm, I'm guessing it's this over here because you know the bike path, bike crossed me today in my road and I think the Lord's saying this. That's great, he can talk like that. But no, I mean like there has to be a conviction. No, this is the voice of the Lord and this is the word of the Lord for me right now. I'm hearing him. I'm hearing him through him. I'm hearing him through the people around me and there's actually a conviction about it because if you hear the voice of the Lord, that's all we need. It really is that simple. well, then we do need to trust, don't we? Right? It's not enough just to be hearers of the word, but actually doers as well, huh? So we have to hear his voice. So that has to be a normal, okay? So back to principles, presence. So we're presence. So here we are, you know, what makes it different is that we hear the word of the Lord breathing on something in, in our life that, okay, here, he's talking to me about this right now. And as he's talking to me about this, I'm starting to get revelation. Anybody get revelation? We're grateful for a prophetic culture, aren't we? It actually opens up this environment, this open heaven that says God can speak to all. We all get to hear and, and see in the spirit. We get to uh, converse with him, see what he's saying to us in the spirit, see what he's doing. We, we get to have this environment, which is literally a revelatory environment because isn't that what he's doing through revelation? He's revealing a piece of him or a piece of you, isn't he? So through his revelation, he's revealing something to you. Now, now this is what makes it different than principles is because is if I'm getting that, that word of the Lord, What's interesting is when you, you get a revelation or you're getting a piece of him, you're getting uh, uh, grace. Did you know that? Because grace is the, we've, you know, pro, you've probably heard uh, Bill Johnson say it's the operational power of God. The definition of grace is divine influence upon your heart. That's the Greek definition. So grace isn't this thing we just give people because we want to not confront them. Just gonna give him grace. No, that's mercy. That's not grace. (laughs) 
Grace is divine influence, which actually causes you to change and become something you couldn't have before. It's extraordinarily powerful. And when you have a revelation from the Lord, when you have an encounter with the Lord, there is grace that's being uh, established in you that's empowering you to become what it is he's saying. And this is why it's different than just the principles. The principles, we need them both, but it's different because when you have the grace to become something, now it's not you that are doing it. It's actually him that's breathing it into you. But there's more to just the revelation part. We can't just live in the revelation. And, and, and this is where I, this is kind of why I feel like this is a word is because I feel like we can live in a revelation, revelation, revelatory environment. We can live in a revelatory environment like this and just live from revelation to revelation. Revelation to revelation. And what's the word, what's the word of the Lord today? I mean, this is what the Lord was saying today. I had this encounter. I got this encounter, he was there, he spoke to me about this, check this out. And so it's kind of like this, this is how I describe it. It's almost like, revelation would be like if, uh, if someone came to you and gave you a key and said, here's a key to a house. And, and with that key is giving you a picture of the house. And this house is like dialed, right? It's acres and acres and acres of land. It's, you know, the top of the line, uh, uh, you know, appliances, it's top of the line. Everything inside's just, just dialed, like beautiful, right? The stuff we're seeing in magazines, right? This is like the house of houses if you want a house. And here's a picture of it and here's a key to it and it's, I'm giving it to you. It's yours. And revelation is like we as getting this and we're going, oh, we have an encounter. Our eyes are open, we're, we're, we're mind blown. We can't believe the goodness of the Lord that he would give us this. And we go, oh my gosh, look. And what is the first thing we do? Hey, check this out. Let me show you, look at, look at what the Lord just gave me. Look at this picture, look at this house. Look at this, look at the columns on the house. Look, you see the grass, they got front yard. And he gave me the key and it was given to me. <laughs> and we show people I think we have key rings of keys and photo books of photos but we go home to a dilapidated falling apart house living in abject poverty because we don't actually believe it. No, 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 that's not true, Dan. No, look, I got this photo album. No, I know, we think it. But where does belief come in? Where does faith come in? Where does trust come in? It's when we actually make a choice to move everything out of our house, open door, go into the new house, set up and live there. I think some of us drive by the house even. That's the house I take friends by. That's the house the Lord gave me. Sometimes we probably go into the house and walk around. So what's keeping us back? Why don't I actually go? 
and move and live in the house? What keeps us from taking our, going from the revelation, the encounter, to actually becoming the word that he called us? There's, a, there's actually a requirement on us. I actually have to move. I have to make a choice to do something in the natural. Oh, faith without works. It's dead. I actually have to do something in the natural. So why don't I just move? Well, shoot. I think, the big, I think one of the uh, uh, big things for me would be realizing that I actually can't take everything I have with me. Well, it's a bigger house. Why can't you take it? Because the stuff in a dilapidated, impoverished, impoverished house doesn't fit in the castle the Lord gave me. And if that's the case, what's, what needs to happen? I need to get rid of some baggage. I have to make some choices. I have to actually respond in a way. Well, I can't take that. When the Lord says, oh, you're going to take this piece? I go, ah, well, I want to take it. Well, how's it worked out for you? Well, no, not too well. I actually have to let go. I have to let go of some things that really, which I'm, another kind of thing that I'm just, it's been, the Lord's been kind of stirring in me is this. Uh, it's super comfortable for me to live where I'm at. This is my norm. Did you know you'll create a normal, not because it's, I'll say this, you'll create a normal. Your normal isn't because it's the right way. It's just because it's comfortable. And then we'll look from our normal and think everybody else has, is wrong. Your, your normal is only your normal because it's just comfortable. If you changed your normal and pushed through the comfort level part, you would become comfortable with your new normal, whatever it is. Whether it's living in a different state, whether it's in a different job, whether it's now having kids, whether it's now believing and actually living according to a sainthood as opposed to whatever the normal is will become the normal, but it's going to take some pain to get through it because it's uncomfortable, doesn't feel good, and I really liked the grooves I was driving in when I was over here. Anybody else? If the Lord's calling us from glory to glory, there has to be in and of itself a transition from something to another thing, which means it's probably going to be uncomfortable somewhere in the midst of going from a normal to creating a new normal. A lot of things have to change in a, in a new place. <clears throat> we... Um, my wife and I are runners. You guys know that a lot. Uh, a lot of you guys know that. And, um, and I told Quinn, I said, you know, we're, um, I said, we, we, we need to, we have kind of a downstairs room that is kind of a family room slash office, whatever. And uh, I said, well, you know, I said, we need to set up some workout stuff in here. This needs to become our workout room. And we can, you know, continue doing some training and be intentional about, uh, you know, prepping for, for races and stuff. And, and she goes, she goes, oh, she's, she's, oh, there's just, you can't do this. There's, there's, just, there's just not enough room in here. And I was like, oh, no, no, no. Maybe I didn't say the whole thing. I'm saying, no, we need to redo the room to fit the need of what we want to go for. 
Sometimes we have to restructure our lives to fit what we're being called to do because the structure is supposed to serve us to get where we're going. And right now, it's great to sit and watch a basketball game, but really where I'm going is to become better fit in order to accomplish what we want to accomplish. So we actually need to change what we're doing in here. So we're removing stuff and putting new stuff in to fit, to give us a structure to set us up to, for success for what we're feeling called to do. So what does that mean? That means if the Lord's given you a revelation in a beautiful house, you're gonna have to probably restructure your life to fit what it is he's calling you to do, what he's calling you to be, who he's calling you to be, who he now says he is. Whatever the revelation, we actually have to change is the end of the story. Because if we don't change, again, we'll think things we don't believe. And we'll have all the right language. We'll have all the right words. But we won't actually live a life of transformation. And isn't that the end of the story anyway? Isn't that what we're doing, transforming cities? One guy. <laughs> I'm teasing. Isn't that right, though? We're being transformed so that we might transform. But transformation is a process that we have to, we actually play a part in. We get to co-labor with the Lord. We hear the voice of the Lord respond to his grace to become, but I make choices to change what it is in my life that does not now line up with the new normal he just created for me. And if I don't do that, I'll continue on. But if I make the choice to say, okay, that's the new normal, then I'm gonna respond like this. Transformation has its finished work in me, if you will, coming out and manifesting in my life and my new normal. Well, so that's, not, that's what's different. Oh, it's not a list of to-dos, it's a respond to the voice. You guys with me, all right? So how does this tie in? So this ties in to this trust thing for me a little bit. The word believe means to entrust. So I feel like be, uh, believing is actually the act of trusting. It, it, it means in the Greek, it means to entrust oneself to. It's the act of trusting. When I believe something, it's not an idea. It's, it's actually a, no, I, I entrust myself to this thing whatever it is, the word, uh, the truth, um, you know, his presence, what, you know, fill in the blank. I actually respond in such a way that I entrust myself to this, but it requires me to trust. If I'm gonna do this process we're talking about, believing, behaving, and then actually becoming, if, if we're gonna do this process, then it's gonna require me to trust. And that's why this is one of the fundamental parts of the kingdom and the way it works. If we don't, aren't able to trust, this won't work because the act of believing is trusting. In other words, when you hear the voice of the Lord, you have an encounter, you're getting a word, you're getting a prophetic word, you, whatever it is, it shows up in your life. You feel the spirit coming alive. You're like, where are you gonna put your trust now? Will you trust him is the question because if you trust him, you'll obey. And now we're starting to bring back in obedience. 
This is what obedience looks like. It looks like I actually behave according to the word of the voice. If they love me, they'll obey my commandments. Because if I trust him, I'll respond according to the new norm. See, every time you're getting a prophetic word, he's inviting you into a new normal of life. Every time you're getting an encounter with, it, with heaven in a worship service or driving down the road or sitting in, at home reading the word, whatever, whatever, when he shows up, he's inviting you into a new normal. The question is, will we believe it? Will we put our trust in that and say, okay, because this is, this is where we play the part. Okay, if that's the new normal, this has to change. Boom, 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 boom. And I change it. And I have grace to do it because from heaven, I've been empowered to become. We have to hear the voice of the Lord for this to work. And we have to actually trust because it's gonna require a whole lot of change every time we encounter heaven every time we encounter his presence, every time we encounter his word. There's a, there's a, there's a, a progression. So I was um, in, uh, uh, some years ago, I was in a worship service, just, you know, kind of up front and uh, pouring my heart to the Lord, just in worship. And, uh, and, and all of a sudden I just started like, the Lord started revealing to me like where I came from and who I once was and, and, and who I am at this point. And I was looking back and I just felt this overwhelming sense of gratitude and, and thankfulness. And I was just in tears, just, Lord, I can't believe what you've done with where I was heading and what I could have been and what you've done now with who I am. And, and this was this is probably 10 years ago. And I'm, and I'm just astounded. I'm in, again, in just in gratitude and uh, thankful. And the Lord says, you know why I did that? And I said, well, no. And he said, oh, it's because you believed me. And it was, that's when it kind of hit me. I'm like, oh, oh, wait a minute. I didn't know I had a part in this because I just kind of thought we just kind of bumbled along and growth happened. And next thing you know, we're something different than we were before and it's beautiful. And, and it does when that's all we know. But then the Lord revealed, oh no, you actually believed me. You actually trusted me. You actually responded according to the words that were over you. And you became what it is I said over you because you have a part to play in this. And I'm realizing this. And I went, oh my Lord, if if I have a part to play in this and this is the case, then prophesy over me and see what I won't take you to the bank for. Let's do this. I didn't know that's how we were doing this. I didn't know that's how this worked. But if it is, then, then let's do this because can, I, I can play this part. See, you have a responsibility in the words that are over you, in the beliefs that are over you, in the thoughts and ideas and revelations and and it can be a little bit overwhelming in a culture like this because you realize this is nonstop. We're constantly getting revelation. We're constantly hearing the voice of the Lord. I'm constantly having an encounter. The res response ability is to have the ability to respond. I hear the truth and I respond accordingly. 
Because when you're confronted with, uh, I was sharing this uh, a couple weeks ago, um, whatever the revelation is, once I'm, I'm, you know, the Lord reveals to me a new norm, I think I shared this about uh, dancing, and, um, you know, there was a time I, was, I did prophetic worship and stuff, and then the Lord called me to do something different, and I'm sitting out here and you know, if you've ever been a musician and then now you're out here at any point, you know, you're typically, you know, I don't know, I kind of, I don't know if they would have, I would have gone there with that. And I kind of, nah, a little off key. You know, all the spirit was going that way. They went left and, you know, and this is what you're doing out here for, I'm pulling the covers on all our team. No, our team is actually really good. I loved today watching Vanessa up here, fully engaged in worship. And I said, that's a worship director. That's a worship director. It's just beautiful. So I'm out here, I wasn't doing that. I was out here critiquing and, and, then, and then the Lord started showing me a picture because he started challenging me. He says, what do you look like without a guitar in your hand to worship as a worshiper? Because you're a worshiper. And so he starts revealing to me what I look like as, as a worshiper without a guitar in my hand. And I, was, and I started seeing, it's a little bit vulnerable here, but I started seeing, who, who, anybody know who's Ma, who Max is? Who's Max? You know Max? where the wild things are. I started seeing Max and I saw Max, he's dancing and he's doing his wild rumpus. And I saw him doing this wild rumpus and he showed me and I started seeing Max creeping into the palace and into the, uh, up into the, uh, 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 the, well, in the gates and up into the palace and looking for the king so that he can do his wild rumpus dance before the king. And I started, the Lord started revealing to me what I look like as a worshiper. And I was like, okay, no, that ain't happening. <laughs> I, don't, I think you're talking to the wrong guy because that ain't happening. But you see, here's the thing. The Lord will bring to you a new standard. And when you experience heaven, it creates a new standard. And there has to be faith. We're gonna talk about that. There has to be faith that comes, it gets co-joined co, uh, in with this. And the faith is actually, you know, the definition of faith is assurance and conviction. There has to be a conviction and assurance that says, this is my new norm. I will not waver. Because everything in me wants to just now uh, fight, 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 or risk. What is it? Flight. I want to leave. <laughs> right? I'm either going to fight it. I'm going to flee it. We have to actually go, no, no, no. That might be what you want to do, but this is a new standard and a new norm, and the Lord's breathing on it, and so this is what we're going to do. We're going to respond according to the new norm. In other words, I don't get to go back. That has to be, that's faith. Conviction on the one. I heard his voice. It is non-negotiable. It will not change any longer. And I will catch up to that reality as I respond accordingly. Which then creates a new normal in my life. And that normal looks like the kingdom. And so here I am, have this encounter. I fought for a couple months, finally responded, got up super brave in front of the door and Nobody can, where I couldn't see anybody and let my dance out and worship. And it was beautiful. All this stuff broke in me. Fear of man broke in me. All these things, like I experienced heaven in a way I had never experienced before. But it took me actually responding and fighting through the pain of, no, this is actually comfortable for me. That's gonna be super uncomfortable. It takes that response. I have to respond to the word. And then I become it. And then a worshiper is who I am in life now. Not just because I'm on stage or have a guitar in my hand. Be careful because even this will become a new norm. 
So let's talk, let's do one more verse before we land. Um, Hebrews 4. So um, Hebrews, they're talking about um, the rest, uh, the believer's rest, but I want, I want you to hear the progression, if you will, not necessarily about the topic. So for one, therefore let us uh, fear while a promise remains in entering his rest. Does any one of you seem to have come short of it? For indeed, we have had good news preached to us, but just as they also, but just as they also, but the word they heard did not profit them because it was not united in faith with those who heard. So let's talk about this. The word they heard did not profit them. The word profit is, can mean also uh, prevail. The word they heard didn't prevail, didn't show up because it was not united. Another word for that is commingled or assimilated with faith, conviction and assurance. They had a great teaching and a great revelation, but it did not prevail in their life because it wasn't commingled, it wasn't united with the assurance and conviction with faith. Because if you can, with conviction and assurance and faith, unite, uh, if you can mix that with the word, it actually becomes alive in your life. It prevails. And, but this word faith, this conviction and assurance comes back to this thing where I think we're trying to have faith for the revelation or the truth rather than having faith for the one. Don't have faith that you'll lay hands and they'll get better. Have faith that he is the healer. That's the conviction not in what I can do or not even what he can do, it's conviction in who he is and that that doesn't change. And that creates the standard. And so if he reveals to me, I'm a worshiper and this is what I look like as a worshiper, I know the one and that now has to create a new norm and I put my trust in him. He becomes where my trust lies. And if I don't trust him, I'll go back and reject the word. I'll work it out analytically. Maybe it was this. This is a little bit more comfortable. I'm not quite sure I'm ready to engage that way or I'm not quite sure. Whatever the word the Lord is speaking over you, we begin to actually try to tear it apart or try to figure out what it means practically in life rather than trusting the one. It's the one. It's him. He is the standard. And when he says it, it means it is. And that's a non-negotiable. In other words, when I have an encounter and he says something, boom, this becomes my new normal. I'm being confronted. Dan, you look like this. And I'm going, ah, I don't want to look like that. He goes, yeah, but this is what you look like. Will you believe? Will you believe me when I tell you you're a son? Will you believe me when I tell you you're a royal priesthood? Will you live like a royal priesthood? Will you believe me when I tell you that you're made to change the world? When you have a word of, being, of laying hands on the sick and then recovering and that you have a healing anointing, will you believe the word or will you just go, yep, that's right, let me show you my revelation and my key. The Lord's called me this. Or will you go through the uncomfortable process of changing your normal to create a new normal because you trust him? My trust is on him and he said it, therefore it is. 
Well, it doesn't match my reality. That's okay. It will catch up and conform and has to because the laws of this world are subject to the laws of this one. We have to respond in order to see heaven come to earth. We have to show up in the picture. There's a requirement of us to trust him and to change our life according to his word. No matter how uncomfortable it is, no matter how much pain might be involved, no matter how much confrontation I might have to do with myself, if he says it, it has to be the standard and only here will determine whether we believe. Because believing is the act of trusting. And if I trust him, we change the world. We change. The world changes. Everything we're experiencing in this culture is meant to expand. That there would be no end to the increase of his government. That we would continue to expand the knowledge of the glory of the Lord would be covering the earth. And it's actually through our lives that this happens, but it comes back to this one thing. Will I believe? Will I trust? Will I respond according to his voice and his word? No matter what. That's the call on us. Will we believe? Because there's a war over what you'll believe. If you believe anything different, if you trust anything different, your obedience is gonna follow your trust. And if I trust me more than I trust what I thought I heard that day on a Sunday morning, I'll follow that. My obedience is gonna follow my trust. Trust the Lord. He has to be the non-negotiable. He has to be the conviction, the assurance, your faith is on him. guys stand. Put your hands out. Just close your eyes for a second. You know, 12 guys walking with Jesus for three years. committing their trust to him. When he said, go here, go there, do this, and not like that, they responded according to the word. They trusted him. The result, they became transformers. Life, transforming life, and everything the world knew and we still are experiencing the repercussions of that. Simply because they trusted him more than they trusted themselves. Follow me, but I'm leaving everything I've ever known. Follow me. But where? Follow me. But when? Follow me. I fully believe we have the capability of changing the city just simply because we trust him. If we would just put our trust in him, in him alone, and that means not trusting my even my own mind over his word, and changing my life according to his word. The repercussions will be they will feel it for generations.
we are poised for that. So Lord, we just say, and I want to charge you, not, I'm going to make a declaration, but I want to charge you to make the declaration because you, you, you're coming in line with what you feel the Lord breathing in in this moment. Lord, I place my trust in you. There is no other. Not I, nor even my own thoughts, but you and your word alone. And I place my trust in you. Yeah, Lord, I just thank you for what you're stirring up in us as a family, as a body, that you're just taking us to another level. You're taking us to a place where we become uh, the church that you've destined and called us to become. That we become the royal priesthood, the transforming society, that all the words that have been spoken over us, that it becomes our new normal, Lord. We just, and I just release even more encounters and even more, uh, Holy Spirit, we just release a healing when it comes to trust. Uh, just begin to just come in uh, supernaturally and heal trust issues where we can place our trust in you like we've never been able to before. And we just release that over everyone in the, in the family here. And Lord, we just bless you and praise you. Amen? Right on. Well, thanks, guys. I hope that was fun. Thank you for listening to the Sermon of the Week. To stay connected with Bethel Atlanta, visit www.bethelatlanta.com.